0: Our scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross There are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. When we hear about somebody going through suffering, our first reaction is to want the suffering to end or go away. It is a normal reaction given that we don't like suffering. Nobody goes, yay, suffering. Let's hear it for troubled times. No, we just don't enjoy suffering. Nobody really goes looking for suffering. Nobody welcomes suffering. Nobody, you know, wakes up in the morning and goes, you know, I I hope I suffer a little bit today. It's just not the way we think about suffering. So when we hear of someone suffering, you better believe it that our first instance is to think about changing the situation ending the suffering, finding a way for them to overcome it and never have faced it in the first place. That is how we deal a lot of times with suffering. Our scripture today, however, challenges us to have a different notion of suffering, to not think of suffering as something bad or something to be avoided or something to be overcome quickly. It challenges us to think about suffering in a whole new way. As Jesus went about his ministry, he knew that there would come a day when he would face great suffering. He knew that there would be a time in which his suffering for the world would come to a head in his life. That it would be a time in which he would really have to put it all down. And he knew that when that time came, his disciples would have a hard time. Jesus tried to prepare them. He tried to tell them about the coming of this time. He wanted them to be ready. And as he shifted his attention towards Jerusalem in the Gospel of Matthew, and he began his final journey there, he addressed his disciples because he wanted them to know what was about to happen. He was like somebody who has received a terminal diagnosis and is concerned about what will happen to those who are left behind when they're gone. Jesus was concerned about how the disciples would handle his death, how the grief of his death would affect them and their faith. And even as he prepared for death on the cross, Jesus' love for his disciples was greater than any concern for himself or his well-being. You see, no amount of suffering can diminish God's love for us, not even his own. So Jesus began to tell his disciples, he said, I have to go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, I will rise again. This was a multi-part message but it was clearly not well received by the disciples. I'm sure they got stuck on the part that said, I have to die when I get to Jerusalem. It must've been difficult for them to hear anything else. Anytime anybody mentions dying, you kind of tune everything else out. But I want us to hear the full message of what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He said, I must go to Jerusalem, the holy city, the place where the temple is located, the place where the people come to worship and offer sacrifice in order to atone for their sins and get right with God. I must go to Jerusalem, that place where I will lay down my life as a worthy sacrifice for the sins of the people and I must undergo great suffering. This would not be a little discomfort. This would not be just a little scuffle with the religious authorities like he had had in the past. This would not be just a Pharisee or a lawyer coming up for a question to see if they could catch him on some technicality and then walk away. No, this would be great suffering, and it would be great suffering not only because of what would happen to Jesus physically, But because of the fact that there in Jerusalem, he would experience the betrayal of the people of God as they turned them over to the Romans to be crucified. The suffering would be further compounded by your sin as Jesus would carry the full burden of it on the cross, and he would experience the isolation that sin brings with it from God the Father. Jesus knew that this is what lay ahead for him. That this all would happen at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the very people that should have welcomed him because he came to save them. He came as the promised Messiah that they had all read about in scripture that was foretold in Isaiah and Jeremiah and so many of the prophets. Jesus must have had such a hard time knowing that the Jews would turn their back on him and that they would not accept him as the Son of God and recognize him for who he was. These very people would have him killed. Jesus was very clear, this will lead to my death. This won't be a slap on the wrist and let me go. This won't be a few nights in jail and then let me go free. This would not be like any other encounter that I have had in the past with the authorities. This would lead up to beatings and lashes and crucifixion, to full suffering in every possible way. We can understand how this news would have been disturbing to the disciples, how when they heard this, they they didn't want to even imagine Jesus suffering or dying. Besides this, if Jesus died, where would that leave them? They had devoted three years to following him and being with him in ministry, to going wherever he went and to listening to his teachings and to witnessing the miracles and to proclaiming him as a great leader, prophet Messiah. His death would be the end of that, they thought. If he dies, it'll all come to a screeching halt. So we can understand why Peter was so adamant to put a stop to all this. He pulls Jesus to the side and he says to him, you know what, we can't do this. You can't let this happen. God forbid this from happening. This must never happen to you. This suffering must never come to you. How many times have we seen another person suffering and said to ourselves, this should never happen. This person should not be suffering through that. It shouldn't be happening to you. We want the suffering to end or never to have started in the first place. We get that feeling whenever we hear like about a child having cancer or somebody dying a tragic death in an accident way too young, or when we hear about natural disasters like the storms that have hit the panhandle, Louisiana and Texas. When we see all this suffering, we wish we could ban suffering altogether. We wish we could stop it before it ever got started, and if we had our way, we would just outlaw and ban suffering altogether. This is why Jesus' response to Peter is so very surprising to us. Instead of saying, you know, Peter, thank you. Thank you for thinking about me and, and wanting to spare me the suffering. Thank you for uh, thinking about my well-being and and suggesting that we don't do this. Thank you for just looking out for me, Peter. It's It's so nice of you. But we know that's not what Jesus says. Instead, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Now, by a show of hands, let's be honest. How many of us would have been right there with Peter, trying to keep Jesus from going to Jerusalem so he doesn't end up on the cross? How many of us would have wanted to avoid that scene altogether to have Jesus avoid that suffering, to avoid him having to be beaten and to have that crown of thorns on his head and to have his hands nailed to the cross and his feet. We wish we could avoid all that pain and many of us would have been right there with Peter saying, there's got to be another way. Let's not do it this way. By the way, I want to tell you that that's one of the most asked questions in theology school, right behind why is there evil in the world and where did God come from? Most people want to know, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why not find another way with less suffering, with less pain, with less for Jesus to have to go through? You see, we are simply uncomfortable with suffering. Yet, Jesus understood that it was through suffering that redemption takes place. Jesus does not address Peter directly, if you really think about it. He addresses who is trying to speak through Peter, Satan. Satan wanted nothing more than to thwart God's plan in Jesus Christ. Satan is God's enemy and wanted Jesus to begin to think about himself and not about us, not about the humanity he came to save, not about the redemption he was about to bring. This is the same Satan that offered Jesus worldly power and earthly kingdoms, that offered him anything he wanted if he would only bow down and worship him. One could argue that Peter was just trying to look out for Jesus. He was just wanting to keep him safe. But Jesus explains that to think of himself is to set his mind on human things, instead of setting his mind on the divine plan that God has already put into motion. Now, if we're honest, we'll accept that there are days in which we have to learn to say, get behind me, Satan, to ourselves. As we look in the mirror and we find ourselves being selfish or self-centered, if at any point we find ourselves setting our minds on human things, instead of asking ourselves, what is God's divine plan for our lives? We need to call ourselves out and hold ourselves accountable for not setting our minds on the right things. What are we setting our minds on? Are we really paying attention to God's divine plan? Or is the suffering that we are enduring along the day and along our journey making us think or act selfishly? Is it keeping us from focusing on God's divine purpose? Jesus knew that he was following God's plan and that this meant suffering would be his companion along the way. This, however, didn't stop him. It didn't slow him down. Why? Because he knew the outcome. After three days, he said, I will be raised again. He told them right there, My death will not be permanent. Do you know that your suffering will have an end? Do you know that if you get knocked down, Jesus will pick you up? Do you know that if you are in need, God will supply that need? Do you know that if you are lonely, God is only a prayer away? Do you know that if you lose your life following Jesus, you will not lose it, but find it? Do you know the outcome of your faith? Do you know the end of the story? What would happen if instead of just focusing on ourselves when we suffer, we looked at suffering as a precursor to joy? If we saw death as a doorway to resurrection and considered the troubles of this life as paling in comparison to the glory to come, then we would change our view of suffering and recognize it as what it is, momentary, temporary affliction, that will give way to something better, a bigger weight of God's glory. We would see suffering as an opportunity to grow in our faith and trust in God, to help us to lean more on God and not on ourselves. We would see suffering as a chance to act unselfishly and think of others despite our own struggles. To see suffering as an opportunity is a big change in mindset. Jesus explains that if we want to be his followers, if we wanna come after him, then we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And in some ways, this means that we need to look beyond ourselves and our conditions, beyond our suffering and our situation. I think it means that when people see us, they need to be able to see someone who is willing to carry and bear their cross and do so knowing that the suffering will give way to glory. Jesus was willing to do this unselfishly and lovingly, as he went to the cross and he headed to Jerusalem. And Jesus makes it clear that those who try to save their lives will end up losing it. And the reason for this is very simple. We can't save ourselves. If we try to save ourselves, we will lose our lives because we simply can't do it by ourselves. If we could do it, we wouldn't need Jesus. It is only by giving our lives to Jesus that we can find salvation and grace. So when he says, lose your life for my sake and you will find it, he is saying that the only way to be saved is in him. That this means that we have to really surrender our whole lives, our will, our preferences, our comfort, and yes, even our suffering to him in order to live out God's divine plan for our lives. Jesus warns that what he is offering is more valuable than anything we could ever gain by ourselves in this life. He says, what will it profit them if they gain the whole world and forfeit their life? The bottom line is if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. No matter what you have in this world, if you are lacking Jesus, then you are lost. The richest people are not the ones who have big houses or big bank accounts or big 401k plans or large titles and prestigious awards. The richest people are the ones that are co-heirs with Christ because they have given it all to God and recognized Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. These people are rich because they know that there's a glory to come far greater than all the suffering that they have experienced. Today, I want to invite you to take your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus. I want to invite you to look past your present suffering and hope in Christ. I want to invite you to lose yourself in Jesus' arms so that you can be found standing in his righteousness alone. Don't let your suffering be a stumbling block in your journey of faith. Let it be a building block on your way to eternity and keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Today, I just wanna pray for you that you accept this invitation to take up your cross and follow Jesus, to look at suffering as an opportunity to draw closer to God and to strengthen your faith as you walk through life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, for Jesus's willingness to go to Jerusalem to give his life for us. We thank you for the great example that he has given us about what it means to be unselfish and loving. We ask, O Lord, on this day that you will continue to help us to take up our cross and follow him wherever he leads us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.